All right, if you have your Bibles with, uh, please turn to Acts chapter 6. If you don't have a Bible, there are some black Bibles in the seat in front of you. If you need a Bible, you can take one from the back table. I'd love to have you have a Bible. We are in Acts chapter 6, uh, verses 1 to 7. Acts chapter 6, verses 1 to 7. Uh, the church, as we've just sung, belongs to Jesus Christ. He has purchased us. He has purchased us by His own blood. Um, and so He cares for us deeply, right? He, he did what He's done for us because He loves us. We are spoken of in the Bible on very intimate terms. We are His body. We are His flock. We are corporately together His beloved bride. God cares for us. He is jealous for us. He protects us. He provides for us. He promises us this provision and protection for all eternity. And so God is very invested in our care. He has taken great pains to provide eternal care for us. And He's provided uh, that care through ordinary people. Right? Wives are supposed to be protected and provided for by their husbands. God has provided this kind of care in the Bible. Children are provided by God with care by their parents. He has given all kinds of help in the Bible for how parents are supposed to do this. Citizens, the Bible is full of commands on how the state is provided for care for its citizens. And the same thing in the church, in the realm of the church. God has provided so much information for how church members are to be, prepared, are to be cared for by the church. So that's what I want you to hear this morning. God is very careful. He has taken great pains to provide for your care in every realm of life. In the home, in society, and in the church. God has not left us uh, to figure it out on our own. He has taken great care to tell us how to provide this kind of care. And I want to specifically focus on this last realm, the church. How has God said that you are to be cared for in the church? So what I'm going to do over the next three weeks is consider this. What has God said in His Word concerning your care in the church? The kind of care God desires... What has He done to provide for it? Another way to say it is God is our Father. What has He given to provide for us as, uh, in terms of fatherly care? That's what we're looking at. So with that in mind, hear these words. Uh, these are God's words in Acts 6, 1-7. Now, in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews. Uh, Hellenists are Greek-speaking Jews. So these were Christians who were not Jewish. They were Greek. And the Hellenists, that is the Greek-speaking Jews, were complaining because it looked like the Jewish widows were being taken care of, but the Greeks were being neglected, right? Their widows are being neglected in the daily distribution. So there's care going on in the church. And uh, apparently one group wasn't being cared for uh, as another group. The twelve, that is the apostles, summoned the full number of disciples and said, it's not right that we should uh, give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. 
Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Let's pray. God, you are a strong and good and wise father, and you have provided for our care. And you tell us to be strong and very courageous in being careful to do according to all that you've written in Scripture. And so, God, that includes this text. But we know that that's not possible apart from your grace. And so, God, we ask that you would be gracious to us now, that we would be careful to hear your word rightly and to do it for your glory. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So these verses are some of the most significant in the Bible when considering how God has structured the church. And uh, I'm sure if... You're at all human. You've always been hankering for sermons on church structure, all right? And now some of you do that. You're weird. Uh, the rest of you are normal. Uh, anyways, so we're going to be talking about church structure, but I don't want your eyes to glaze over. This is very important, as you can see. We're talking about people getting food or not getting food in these verses. We're talking about people being fed or being hungry in these verses. We're talking about the actual care of actual people belonging to God and how he is designed for that to happen. So this just isn't about getting all of the structure right. This isn't just about dotting all the I's and crossing all the T's and and getting all of the behind the scenes, working on all of the organizing kind of stuff. Some of you like that kind of stuff. That's that's the point, but it's the point for the care of people. And so that's what we're talking about. This is about caring for people. So we have... uh, the apostles, 12 of them, and they were trying to do it all in the early church. They were given the primary task of preaching the word, of, of doing the ministry of the word and praying, and then they were trying to do that along with taking care of all of the physical needs of the people in the church, and they couldn't do it. They were failing. And they came up with an idea that they would pick out seven men Seven godly men, we know in verse 3 that these were men of good repute. They were to be men of good repute, full of spirit and wisdom. So these were godly, mature brothers. And, and they would have the duty of taking care of people's physical need in the church. And the apostles then would be freed up to focus on what God has called them to, which is prayer and the ministry of the word. This is a very pleasing idea in verse 5. They chose seven men. We know Stephen especially, who you see in in chapter 7 much more of. But uh, these seven men were chosen. They were prayed for, hands were laid on. They were ordained to this ministry. And God greatly blessed the church for this kind of care. Now, in the last 20, 30 years in the church, the church has been all about church growth. You go to any Christian bookstore, they got a big old section of books that are pretty much worthless on how to grow your church big and healthy and prosperous like other churches that grew big and healthy and prosperous. And the funny thing is, after reading dozens of those books myself, you never see any book written on how to grow the church by adding deacons. 
And yet, we see that after adding deacons, the church grew. And that's because God is very concerned for the care of His people, and He's not going to add actual disciples of the church until they have taken the kind of care to provide for their care as God is determined. So some of you might say, of all of the things in church that we should be focused on, you're going to talk about deacons. And of all the things going on in the world, of all the things that we should be doing, you're choosing to, to make deacons a big deal. Right? That's maybe an objection to this kind of a thing. Right? And some of you, it's probably evangelism. Shouldn't we be concerned more about getting out in the community and reaching the lost with the gospel? And you're going to talk about deacons. Why not three sermons on evangelism? Why not get some structure going to reach the lost? Why don't we do that? Or maybe in our community. Why don't we take on the drug problem in the Oneida County? Why don't we, why don't we focus on that? Or why don't we focus on neglected and abused women in our county? Why, why, don't we, why don't we do that? Why don't we focus on something important like that? Why, why talk about church structure? Why deacons? Well, all of those are good objections. I, I don't think we should make fun of people who have those kind of objections. I, I think those are helpful. And I want to say that the reason that we're focusing on deacons is to take care of those other things. I think sometimes we get the idea that America's had for a long time that evangelism is just simply about making a convert. It's just simply about getting somebody to pray a prayer, getting somebody to confess what we confess, and we neglect to remember that Christ has called us to make disciples who are growing in obedience to every word that he's commanded and being provided for excellently in pastoral care. And you think God is going to give us a whole bunch more people that we can't take care of? You think God's going to add to our number a whole bunch of people that we aren't going to mentor and disciple and discipline to be not only converts but growing, maturing people in the Lord? And so what we're talking about is very important to evangelism, is very important to the care of people in our community. That's what this is all about. Now, I want you to notice something here. In, in the church, sometimes we, 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 we divide the physical and the spiritual care of people. We all know that we have two parts to us. We are soul and we are body. We are spirit and we are physical reality. And sometimes in the church, we neglect one to emphasize the other. Right? There are some churches that neglect the eternal for the temporary physical. They no longer care if souls go to hell so long as they're fed. Right? And that's wrong, isn't it? Jesus said, what does it do you any good to gain the whole world and lose your soul? We don't want to do that. We don't want to neglect the eternal the soul, in order to care for the physical. And we don't want to do the other either. The Bible condemns in many places uh, taking care of somebody eternally and uh, spiritually and letting them go away hungry. Churches can excel at prayer and preaching and teaching. They can do all of the good eternal things and then neglect their brothers and they are indicted in Scripture. James warns us not to neglect our brothers and sisters who lack adequate food and clothing and bless them spiritually, saying, go in peace 
be warmed, filled without giving them what they need. The Apostle John says we're hypocrites if we say, if we have the world's goods, see our brothers in needs, yet close our heart against them. How does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word and in talk, but in deed and in truth. We're probably the kind of church that would be tempted to neglect the physical in order to emphasize the eternal. But we're supposed to do both well. God is very concerned for our well-being in every way. And he has provided in the church the kind of structure needed to provide for that kind of care. He wants us to be very concerned for your eternal destiny, for your maturity in Christ spiritually, and to make sure that you have all of life taken care of. Now, before we get into elders and deacons, we must remember that the kind of care that, that we are to give in the church takes all of us. This isn't just going to be the job of a group of men and elders and a group of men and deacons. This is an every member work. In the Bible, in places like 1 Corinthians 12 or Ephesians 4, we see that God has given every member of the church, everyone who professes faith in Christ, who is born again, abilities, talents, gifts, possessions. And it is your and my responsibility, each of us, to work hard with our hands, to generate wealth, to use our time and our material possessions and our abilities to care for those in need when there are actual genuine needs. And so please don't hear these sermons on deacons of, of uh, alleviating your responsibility to care for the church. Now this is something that I think our church excels at. I'm not saying people haven't slipped through the cracks. I'm not saying that Everyone here is getting the kind of care that they exactly need all the time. But generally, our church, if you have a need and it's known, it'll get met. And maybe more than you want. That's a good thing. That's great. This is something we should excel at. I believe it's something we are excelling at. I'm proud of you for this reason. I am very glad in you for this. You excel at this. I'm not saying we don't have... Uh, room for improvements, but I definitely don't want you to hear these sermons in any way saying that this responsibility, this burden is being taken from you. In fact, as, as a group of deacons are created, one of their jobs is going to be to organize that to make you more fruitful in it, to, to free you up more to help it even be done better. So we see in Acts 6, though, the beginnings of what is later in Scripture referred to as the office of deacons. So what I want you to see in Scripture is that there are two offices. When I say offices, that sounds maybe a bit hoity-toity. It just simply means that there are two specific groups God has created, given specific authority and responsibility for specific tasks, right? Uh, this is an issue of authority. And those two groups are elder and deacon. And they always go hand in hand. So turn with me, if you would, to Philippians chapter 1, verse 1. If you're in Acts, you've got to go to the right. I don't know, five, six, seven books, something like that. Philippians 1, 1. So this is Paul, or the Apostle Paul, writing to a church in Philippi, to Christians in Philippi. <clears throat> and, he, and he writes in 1, 1. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus are at Philippi, 
with the overseers and deacons. Right? Now, the word and there isn't or. These are two separate groups in the church that Paul is recognizing. Now, that word overseer, you probably have a little note there that if you go down to, that word is, is uh, episkopoi. It's one, of the, it's one of the terms in the Bible used to refer to elders. In Acts 20, there, there's three different Greek terms that used to refer to elders, and they're synonymous. We have this one, which is overseer. This refers mainly to the uh, elder's responsibility of leadership. There's another word used for elder, which is pastor. That, that's, refer, that's used to refer to the elder responsibility of taking care of people. Uh, I can't remember the third term, something off my head, but these are just terms used to refer to elder. So he's using two terms here, elder and deacon. So the church in Philippi, uh, an early church, Paul is organizing these churches and he's creating offices to care for the people, elder and deacon. Right away, they're in the early church. This is right away, elders and deacons. Turn again a little bit further, if you would, to uh, 1 Timothy 3. Pastor Jeff will be preaching out of the, this text in the next two Sundays. Now, look at the last three verses, if you would, of this chapter first. So this give, these last three verses give you the purpose for which Paul is writing this letter to Timothy. Timothy was pastoring a church in Ephesus, and, T- and Paul couldn't go there to help him, and so Paul wrote a letter. And here he tells Timothy why he's writing this letter in verses 14 to 16 of chapter 3. I hope to come to you soon, but I am writing these things to you so that if I delay, that is, if I can't come, I want you to have the information that I would have given you if I had come, that if I delay, you might know how one ought to behave in the household of God. So this letter is written to Timothy in order to ha- know how to oops, sorry, to know how to uh, do church, to know how to structure the church, to know how to organize the church. All right. So and, and what comes just before this purpose statement? Well, we have the qualifications for elders in verses 1 to 7, and we have the qualifications for deacons in 8 to 13. Now, Paul was a very intelligent and intentional man. Just before writing, in case I delay, I want you to know how to do church, and the thing that he's most wanting him to know how to do church is how to organize elders and how to organize deacons. This was primary in Paul's mind, for providing care in the church. Two groups, elders and deacons. And so we see in the Bible, in the Christian church, two groups, two distinct church offices, elder and deacon. Now, one of the things that we ought to do with this is is come to this and say, okay, so God has created the church, it's His, the Lord Jesus purchased us by His blood, and He has determined in His Word how church is supposed to be, how we're supposed to run. Jesus is Lord. We are in 3.15 called the household of God. God is the Father of this household, and He 
hasn't left it to us on how to organize our household. He's told us. And he's told us to have elders and to have deacons. And so this isn't something a church can decide to do or not. He doesn't give us these qualifications, these two offices for elders and deacons, and say, hey, hey, try this. If it doesn't work, think of something else. And today, a lot of most unrest in the church, conflict in the church, lack of care in the church is simply ignoring 1 Timothy 3. You go to churches and you see them organized all different ways. Some have deacons that are actually elders. Baptists do this all the time. It makes it so confusing for God's people. You go to a church and you have deacons. They're called deacons, but they actually do elders' jobs. They don't have elders and deacons. They have just deacons, but they do elders' jobs. It's so confusing for people. Or you have some churches who don't have elders or deacons. They have a board of trustees, right? And then then they have this board doing something. I was in a church once who the uh, senior pastor who planted the church had a group of three loyal followers who formed his executive council. And then under their executive council, they had kind of a board of directors. He ran it like a business. And I can tell you that the neglect of care in the church is simply because the church is ignoring elders and deacons. And so much conflict arises between competing authority structures in churches just simply because we're ignoring God's word on this one. And, And the harm always comes to God's people. All right, the church in America today isn't necessarily concerned with shepherding people, caring for people as much as hurting them, as much as getting more butts in the seats, more dollars in the offering plate, and not giving a rip at all how you're actually cared for. And that is seen by our simple neglect of what is plainly in Scripture. And we want to be the kind of church that when it's there, staring us right in the face, we just do it. That's what faith is. We just simply take God at his word and say, all right, we just do it. And I don't think any of us can read this and, and go, I don't, I don't think we can have, it doesn't matter if we have deacons. So let me, if I can, pastor you here a moment. Our church is what, 40 years old or so? Is that right? Some of you have been here from the beginning. And we don't have deacons yet. Why? Why does a church like ours, that is a Bible-based church, that has read 1 Timothy 3 hundreds of times, maybe preached through it, how could we not have deacons? How could we neglect this? This is because we... I don't think this is because we're necessarily actively looking at this and saying, I know God says it, but we're not doing it. I don't think this is necessarily an active, open rebellion against God as much as it is a passive... We've just read this so many times that we don't take the kind of care to pay attention carefully to it and do the hard work of implementing it. I think sometimes we think we're smarter than God. I think sometimes we think that we can figure out our own way to provide for the kind of care God has set in the church and and we just don't take him at what he says. And so this is a time where we should just simply repent. We did that during our time of confession. 
Now, I want to bring this up not only to convict us, but to remind us of how patient God is with us, isn't he? And how bent out of a shape of, as a parent do you get when you ask your kid to do one thing and he doesn't? And here God has been patient with us for 40-some years. It's clear in his word. We all know it. He's been so patient, so patient. And just a reminder that we as a church, as Pine Grove, will always have need of growth. We'll never arrive. We're not going to get to the point of we'll sit back and go, I guess we got this figured out. We're good. I wish that other churches would be more like us. We're... We are, in many ways, a mature church, a godly bunch of saints, and yet we're just sinners saved by grace, aren't we? We're not as mature as we need to be. So we'll always need reforming. We'll always need growth. We'll always have need of reformation or repentance. And here is one specific area that we have need of repentance over. And this is particularly needful for the men in the church. We're supposed to lead. We're supposed to initiate these kind of things. So we should seek the Lord's forgiveness. And particularly, again, because the care that God wants for his church obviously hasn't been provided for if we have neglected to institute one of the two ways that God has given it. All right, so I would urge your repentance here. Now, what this means is we want to do these three sermons to explain to you uh, the biblical mandate for deacons, and then the next two weeks will be more nuts and bolts. What do deacons do? What do elders do? What what are the qualifications for deacons? And then, as we said, uh, on the 25th, we'll actually vote on the bylaws, and then we'll actually begin uh, training. We want to try to find some guys who are called to this, who meet the qualifications, provide training, so that by this time next year, maybe by next fall or so, we'll actually have one or two or three guys functioning as a deacon group. Now, what I want to do in the, in the last 10 or 15 minutes here is just give you some, uh, okay, what are the difference between elders and deacons? That's got to be one of the questions, right? We see it in Acts 6, if you go back there. What are the difference between elders and deacons? Now, at, right away, the first thing to see is that the, now, I'm, uh, I'm asking you to use your sanctified imagination here a little bit in Acts 6. The word elder or deacon is not used in these seven verses. Uh, I think we can see going forward that this was the precursor to that. And so I'm going to say that the 12 apostles here were functioning sort of as pastor elders and that the seven others chosen to care for the widows were functioning at what would be deacons. Now we see that the apostles created this office of deacons to serve them. Right? That is... The elders created this diaconal ministry to take specific responsibilities off of their plate to free them to do what they were called to do. So the elders and deacons are a team, but the deacons serve under the elders and for the sake of freeing the elders up. I say this to get this right. So the elders and deacons are like two competing authorities in the church. Now the elders serve under the authority, or I mean the deacons serve under the authority of the elders who serve under the authority of Jesus Christ mediated through his word. 
Now the elders give the authorities act, or give the deacons actual authority. That is, deacons have actual responsibility. They're not just there waiting for the elders to tell them what to do next. But the deacons have specific areas of responsibility, and the elders give that to them. But they're but they're held accountable by the elders. You'll see that if you read through the bylaws. We we lay out clear lines of authority because that's how God does it. We all are under God's authority under His Word. God has given elders to lead in the church, and deacons serve the elders to free them up. Now we see that the elders have specific responsibility to prayer and the ministry of the Word. You see that? It says it twice. In verse 2, it is not right that we should give up preaching the Word of God to serve tables. In verse 4, we will devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the Word. If you were to go back to 1 Timothy 3, which you don't have to do, the list of qualifications for elders and deacons are very similar. They're mainly character qualifications. This isn't about ability necessarily or mainly about character. The one main difference between that qualifications for elders and deacons is that the elders are required to be able to teach. An elder must be able to teach. That is, he must know God's Word well enough to teach in a variety of ways. Now, elders can teach in many ways. I'm an elder in the church. One of the primary ways I teach is here Sunday morning in the pulpit. This is my primary responsibility. Now, other elders teach in other ways. Some teach uh, Sunday school. Some will teach you in a small group. And some will teach you one-on-one. But the elders are to bear the primary responsibility for teaching and uh, for uh, praying for you. Um, another way to say it is that the elders are responsible for the overall oversight of the ministry of the church. And they do that through the teaching and praying of God's Word. Now, sometimes it's said that the elders primarily take care of the spiritual responsibility of the church. And I don't think that's an unhelpful way to look at it. I think the elders are responsible for oversight of all of the spiritual and physical, but they're going to mainly work in the praying and teaching aspect of it. And so elders will do things like preaching, teaching in Sunday school, leading a small group, um, mentoring or counseling you one-on-one. They might actually come into your life if you're in sin and provide biblical discipline and admonition and rebuke and correction. And all of that is the shepherding pastoral responsibility of elders. Deacons, on the other hand, aren't responsible for the overall care or direction or vision of the church. They're not responsible to take care of the teaching and making sure the doctrine is pure. That doesn't mean deacons can be biblically ignorant. It just means that they're main area of responsibility isn't the same as the elders. It's different. And we see in Acts 6 that the deacons focus mainly on the physical well-being of the members of the church and the church building. We see that particularly in regards to um, widows here. And so the deacons want to take the care, the physical care, the food and clothing and sheltering and that kind of stuff off of the elders onto themselves in order to free the elders up to preach and teach and pray and discipline. And in this way then, the church provides 
holistic, well-rounded, all-of-life care for its members. That's what this is for. And so the elders, will, or the deacons will pay particular attention to things like church budget. Making sure the buildings and grounds of our church are taken care of. Uh, if there's somebody in our church who is sick or gets injured, making sure their snow gets shoveled or plowed. Right? There's a widow, making sure that she has what she needs. There's a crisis and Kids lose their parents, making sure those kids are well provided for. Now let me get on my political high horse pulpit here. This is not the job of the state. The state is doing us great wrong and robbing you of taxes to provide shoddy care that the church and the family are supposed to provide. That is, the kind of welfare that our state has taken upon itself isn't their job in Scripture, It's our job. It's the family's job first, and then the church's job second. We're supposed to do this. So God has provided, first, a family to take care of its members, provide for education, to provide for uh, physical food and and well-being and gas in the tank and so on. And if a family uh, isn't able to do it, then the church does it. We are all responsible for this. And the deacon should organize that kind of care. So you get a sense of the different responsibilities, right? This is pretty plain. This is pretty simple. So what I want to do is just uh, give a few words of caution as we begin to implement this. First, as I've said before, please do not hear what I'm saying as alleviating your responsibility to care for each other. The elders are primarily responsible for the teaching and uh, correction of the church, but that's your responsibility too. If you see a member in sin, you're supposed to go to them. If you see somebody in need, you're supposed to go and help with God's Word. Similarly, if you, if you see somebody in our church who is struggling to provide for the daily needs, you should step in and figure it out. Another way to say that is, in God's Word, we're all called priests, We believe the priesthood of all believers. All of you are priests before God, given the responsibility to serve each other. You're supposed to take your abilities, your talents, your resources, and your time and invest them in the care of our church family. So please do not hear that the creation of deacons means that it's not your job anymore. That couldn't be the further from the truth. Their job is going to help you to do your job better and more. Now, also, we, we need to remember, as I just said a minute ago, that each family are to bride for their own. In 2 Thessalonians 3.10, Paul warns that those who will not work should not eat. It is shameful for a man who could work, but makes excuses not to work, and then come to extended family or the church or the government and ask for help. In Ephesians 4, we're supposed to work with our own hands to provide for ourselves and our family and to have something extra to take care of those who might have need. Now, there are times, of course, when somebody can't work, can't provide for themselves, and then we, you as a family or we as a church, should step in and help there. But we're supposed to provide for our own. Next caution, 
this implementation of deacons is going to take time, and it's going to take your help. Uh, we read in 1 Timothy 3.10 that deacons should first be tested, and then let them serve as deacons if they have proved themselves blameless. So we're going to have to take time to identify, to train, and to test men who have proved and are proving themselves faithful to the care of others. And so please be prayerful and patient in this process. And if you, as a, a, a member of our church, as a, as a male, sees that your life fits the calling of 1 Timothy 3, called to be a deacon, that you actually do like caring for other people, you should put yourself forward. Or if you have a wife, your wife should be uh, giving you some elbows in the ribs right about now. Or if you as a member know somebody at our church who you think is in this kind of line, they actually do care about people, they do meet needs, they are spiritually mature, they, they are the kind of godly man that you would trust this kind of care to, then, then you should put their or his name for it. Now, there is some debate, is, should there be deacons and deaconesses? I think that's a legitimate debate. I think you can make a biblical case for deaconesses. But for right now, we're just going to do deacons, okay? So if you come to me and say, I think the Bible makes a case for deacons, I'll smile and nod. And then that'll be it. For right now. <laughs> right? We're just going to tackle one thing at a time, all right? Is that good? Okay. All right, so I want to leave you with this as we go into communion, uh, the Lord's Supper. What we're talking about here is God's great concern for us. You know that? God has great concern for you. He cares about you. God determined not to bring you into his family and then leave you to figure it all out on your own. He, he has no army of one Christians. He gives not a wit for Christians who try to go it alone. He, it's not, that doesn't impress him. He's given you a family, a church family, and provided for your care in every facet of life, in the family, in the church, and in society. And in the church, God has organized two groups, two offices, one to focus on prayer and teaching the word, elders, and one to focus on your real physical needs, eating, drinking, clothing, roofs, so on. We call those deacons. And in all of that, you should see that you have a Father in God who cares greatly for you. To prayerfully and carefully consider qualifications, duties of elders, it may be that God is calling you to it. And so I want you to check that out. And then, second, uh, consider how you can serve somebody this week. What does it look like you as a husband to serve your wife, wife to serve your husband, parent to serve your children, member to serve another member, friend, friend, somebody at work? What does it look like to go out and deacon to serve as Christ has served you here this morning? Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely. May your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus. Faithful is he who calls you. He will bring it to pass. Amen. Have a good week in the Lord.